This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor makes it super easy to create a podcast. Record or edit right from your phone or computer, add music and effects, and then publish. With one click, Anchor will distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple, and all the other platforms. And here's the best thing. Anchor will help you make money from your podcast by finding you sponsors. We use Anchor here on Talk Money, and it's everything we need in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now on to the show. So, Mesh, here we are. End of season one of the show. I have only one question. How old were you when you decided you wanted to be a podcaster? I was 33 when I decided I wanted to become a podcaster. It took me two years. I'm 35 now. It took me one year to actually figure out what I wanted to do. And then it took me one year to develop the podcast and all the learnings that came with it. So tell me about the two-year process. Year one really came down to what I wanted to create, and that was educational content on finance and money. I think there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of jargon, complexities when it comes to money, investing, business, you name it. And I still found people and like the general public were confused about certain topics or certain things that they should know. And I thought that I would love to dive into this. I think education around money is really important. I think podcasting is a really awesome medium. Audio is a great way to learn. And so I tried to figure out how could we do this in an entertaining way on topics that were relatable to people. Now, I guess my question is why you, but more specifically, what was your life before this that brought you to this? It's a good question. I started investing or my investment career 12 years ago. First started out investing in stocks. After that, invested in things like venture capital and early stage equity, which are basically the same things as investing in companies early on before they go public or before they become a stock. And then finally, I got involved with private credit, which is loans that don't come from a bank. Post 2008, regulation made it hard for banks to lend in a lot of areas. And so private investors saw that as an opportunity. And that's what private credit is. It's non-bank lending. And did you study this stuff in school? How do you know how to do this? No, I, I didn't study any of this in school. I actually went to school to be a business major, but I couldn't become one because my grades weren't great. I ended up becoming a foreign policy major, which probably taught me how to bullshit and hence why I'm here doing this podcast. But I learned business really, business and investing came through mentorship and making mistakes and being around people who took the time to actually teach me. Part of this is that I don't think you should actually have to go to school to learn these things. You shouldn't have to work on Wall Street. You shouldn't have to work at a bank. You shouldn't have to have a lot of money. You shouldn't have to work with someone who has a lot of money. This is something that everyone should be knowledgeable about when it comes to their money, whether it's business, finance, and I know these things can get boring, but it really should be a right for everyone to have. It should be accessible, it shouldn't be expensive, and it should be simplified. A lot of this stuff is just way too complicated when it doesn't need to be, and 
that was part of the reason why I really wanted to get into this is because of the way I learned. Everything was simplified for me. Like I wasn't good at math. I wasn't good at all these things. If I was a finance major, I probably would have flunked out because it would have been way too hard for me. And realizing that you don't need to know a lot of that just to understand your money in a very basic way. I actually dabbled in creating some online courses around this years before, which were okay, you know, they did well. I just realized it took way too long to make them. And I found them pretty boring and and convincing someone to sit down and take a two hour course is just really hard when you could really explain it to them in 20 minutes in a storytelling format, sitting with an expert and getting them exposed to that. That sounds just much more approachable way of teaching people. So how did you learn if you didn't have a story podcast to learn from? The way I learned was back in 2008, my father and mother moved to the United States. Uh, I was already living in Washington, D.C. post-college. They had migrated here. My dad had done well and came to the United States and started dabbling in the U.S. stock market, hired a private wealth manager because that's what you do. And at the end of the day, they're supposed to take care of your money. And and I think in 2008, it was an eye-opening experience for everybody. The markets crashed. And the guy that we had managing had basically lost whatever he had invested us in, had lost 80% of what the value was. And his answer was, should we buy more? It wasn't even like a statement. It was a question to us of what to do. He didn't know what to do. And I remember that I had gone in. My father wanted me to learn, and he had made me go and see what this guy was doing. And I remember he just basically was looking at a piece of paper and did a couple clicks and bought some stuff and said, okay, let's go to lunch. Like I realized that he wasn't actually a professional investor. He was just a salesman following some plan that was told to him. And I think post-2008, that rocked the boat. And things have changed since then, you know. And after that, we had decided just to start doing this on our own. If anyone can really learn to do this, my dad ended up hiring this guy who became our portfolio manager. And that guy was lovely enough to teach me. Um, He brought me under his wing and he taught me everything about investing, took the time. And this was during the financial crisis. It was in 2008. It was a crazy time to learn how the stock market worked and what investing was. Like stocks were going up and down like 20% in one day. It was just absolute chaos. But I learned by just being with him and watching him. And, you know, they gave me a small portfolio to manage and I made mistakes and I learned with every mistake that I made. And fast forward later, I felt pretty good about what I had learned and then went off to go and learn other parts of investing, other assets and and diving into other spaces. So in this time, what are some of the biggest lessons you learned? It was really interesting early on. When I had started in this business, I didn't know what the Dow Jones was. It was pretty shameful. Like I couldn't explain to you what a stock was or a share. And I guess that's okay. Like I had, how was I supposed to know? I I never really took the time to learn. No one taught me at the time. It was, I learned on the spot. One of the early lessons I learned was just don't pay attention to the Dow Jones. Like, this is just good general knowledge. The Dow Jones is just a very small data set, and what you should be paying attention to is the S&P 500. The news loves to throw the Dow Jones around. It just sounds cool. Like, the Dow Jones reaches record highs. You know, but really what you want to be looking at is the S&P 500 because it's just a better reflection of the broader market. What if I don't know what either of those things are? Well, the Dow Jones is an index that represents 30 large companies. 
don't ask me how they pick these things, but just imagine 30 well-known large companies that represents the Dow Jones. And the S&P 500 is 500 companies. And that's just a larger representation of the overall markets. And that's what you want to be paying attention to. And if anything, like that's what you're investing in, actually. You're not investing in the top 30 companies. You're investing in a basket of 500 companies. It's better diversification. A second lesson I learned was don't get distracted by news. Groups like CNBC, they were created for 24-7 news on money and business and the stock market. And a lot of times there's just not that much to report. And what ends up happening is that they create a lot of like FOMO and fear. And it's just super distracting. And I think for the general public, it's just not a good thing. You know, and a lot of it's just kind of bullshit. They'll say something like, the Dow Jones loses largest number this year. And you're like, okay, it's January 2nd. We've only had two days in the new year. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But this is the shit that they do. Or they'll do it by month. Or they'll do it by week. And it's just, why are you selling us fear? And you just stop paying attention to that. Because you realize, like, that's not actual news. Like, they're, again, it's some form of entertainment. It's to lock eyeballs down. And, you know, the thing you didn't know is that the markets move up and down. Like, that's what's going to happen. It's really what happens in the long run. That's what's the most important thing. And having an outlook and being patient and thinking about time, you know. And the third thing I learned was just because something returns a high number doesn't necessarily mean it's a good investment. And what I mean by that is that, I mean, there's a lot more to that, but it's if someone says, invest in this and it'll get you 13% yield, which basically means it'll get you 13% return a year. That doesn't actually mean that it's a good investment. The way you should be thinking about it is like, why does it give me 13%? What is the risk involved with that? Don't get distracted by how much money you're gonna make. That's when you start asking all the questions. What is happening here that I don't understand? And you know, understanding risk is something that is just super important to investing. It's how much are you gonna lose and what risk are you taking to get the return? And those are lessons that we'll learn. I will definitely dive into that as we get further along with this podcast. But those were the three main things that I had learned and I just kept remembering that and you just continue to fine tune. You you gain experience by making a lot of mistakes. You gain experience by losing money, to be honest. And you realize that a lot of it is just, again, patience, uh, understanding what you want and taking your time. So people getting started, how should they think about investing? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to investing is how much can you actually invest after you've taken care of your necessities, your rent, your debt, making sure that you have savings, enough on emergency fund. And then when you have left over, that stuff you can invest. And really what that means is, do you have the ability to part from this for a really long time? Because you don't make money overnight. No matter what anyone tells you, you're just not gonna make money overnight. You could totally get lucky. But in the grand scheme of things, over time is really when you start making money. Compounding, continuing to put money in, letting it grow. And, you know, that takes years. It can take decades. And so that's the first thing. And the way to think about the longevity of it all is like, think about also real estate. You want to buy a home in an up and coming neighborhood. The neighborhood's not going to be with the Whole Foods and the Equinox and everything that you wanted with the values high in price. It's not going to happen in a week. It's not going to happen in a month. It's going to take years. And that's the same way of any investment, anything. It just takes a really long time and you have to be patient. And then the other thing is like, you're not professionally investing. So 
You don't need to be thinking actively about this. You don't need to be worried about the day-to-day. You just need to like make sure that you have money to invest after you've taken care of everything and just be passive about it. Let it grow. Let it like just don't pay attention to these short-term volatilities because in the long run it should all be okay provided, you know, nothing changes fundamentally now. Stock picking is really 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 hard. There are professional people that do this and they still can't beat the market, which basically means they can't beat the S&P 500, which is a representation of the market. And that's the best thing about now. It's really easy just to invest in the market. That's what ETFs will do for you, which are exchange traded funds. When you go on to companies like Wealthfront or Vanguard or Fidelity, they'll just create a portfolio for you that says, hey, what's your risk profile? As in how much risk can you tolerate? Okay, we're going to diversify you across these different ETFs that basically get you exposure to the broader stock market and bond market, and that's it. And they're super cheap, and it's very, very efficient. And that's what we have now. You don't actually need to do a lot of work. And that's the benefit that we have with all these companies that are out there. They're just saying like, hey, all we need is a little bit of information, and we're good. That's it. Put some money in here and just kind of sit back and relax. So coming up, what can people expect from the next season? I'm super excited about season two, more so because I think we're finally getting the formula right between storytelling and the experts and these integrated lessons within the stories. That takes time to develop, and I've been really lucky to have people around me who've taught me and have shared their lessons with me. So that's number one. And then number two are like the topics. Season one had a lot of like foundation topics. Like this, these are things that you need to know. Season two, I want to get more fun with it. I want to explore things like sneakers, the sneaker market, and esports, and diving deeply into credit cards, and thinking about buying a property from an investment standpoint, whether you're renting it out or Airbnb it. Understanding how IPOs work in the broader stock market, we can dive into that. And like, what does like the future of food delivery look like? You know, whether it's like food trucks or delivering through all these different apps. Like, these are all things that I think help us not only make better, we don't always have to be better investors. We also need to be more informed consumers. Money is on both sides of the table. And the more we understand that, it's money that comes out of our pocket and into our pocket. And I'm hoping with the episodes in season two, we explore that in more detail. All right. Thanks, Mesh. It's been a fun season. Thank you. I appreciate it. Should I say Ryan? No. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm talking to myself in a mirror right now, and this is great. So, yeah, no, I, I want to thank all of you. Um, I really appreciate it. This was a really amazing experience, and there's a, definitely a few people I want to thank. Um, first, and uh, I, w- I would love to thank Ryan Kyloff and Max Miller for editing and producing the show. Um, I'd like to thank to all my friends and family that listened to every draft of this. I know it was super annoying in the beginning, but wouldn't be here without you. I want to thank my partner and wife who helped me create this podcast and has edited and been an amazing guide to me uh, with her advice. Of course, I'd like to thank the audience for listening. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see you all in season two. This episode is for informational purposes only, and listeners should not construe information, interviews, analysis, or other material embodied within the episode as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. This episode and its contents are intended to be of a general nature, and listeners are advised to seek professional advice in connection with any personal investment decisions. This has been a Lola Media production.